Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnerless. I know Halloween is approaching, and many of you are very excited to fire up the TV or if you're lucky to head to a movie house that might be showing a older film, maybe one that you grew up with, and what a great time of year to indulge in nostalgia. What you might also want to do is take your kids to see these movies. Maybe not your kids, maybe your nieces, maybe your nephews, someone younger, and you're hoping when they see these films, they will appreciate them the way you did. If this is the first time you do this, good luck. There's a good chance that they will enjoy what you enjoy, but there's also a chance that they won't, or Maybe a better chance is that they won't enjoy the thing the way you enjoy it, but that doesn't mean they don't enjoy it. When I was younger, my mother would talk about films that she loved. One of them is the subject of today's show, The Blob. It was a movie she saw when she was younger, and she couldn't get enough of it. She saw it in the theater, and when it came on TV, she would watch it all the time, and when she thought I was old enough to enjoy it, which was pretty young, I mean, this is a 50s horror sci-fi film. She let me watch it with her. I can honestly say that from the first moment I saw it, I really enjoyed it and thought it was a good film. But I didn't enjoy it the way she did. She saw it with a completely different context. She was older at the time. She was with her friends. I was watching it with my mother. And hence, all of my lens for first enjoying this film is through her. This sort of generational nostalgia can cause confusion for the people who first witnessed the thing they're trying to share, especially when they try to discuss the subject with the person they shared it with. Just because somebody doesn't enjoy something the way you do doesn't mean it's not valuable to them, or it's not something that you both can discuss and enjoy together. It's just different, and it always will be. And it's what's great about being able to watch older things because you could introduce something to somebody who 60 years later was born and now they're witnessing it for the first time. And there's no way they'll be able to enjoy it the way that you enjoyed it, but they can still fall in love and you can be the person who influences that. So on today's show, I'd like to talk to you about one of those films that I think can be enjoyed with many generations, The Blob. We'll talk about the people in front of and behind the camera. We'll talk about the production, we'll talk about its sequel and remake, and we'll throw in a few surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. The Blob, 
was an independent film made in 1958, science fiction horror, directed by Irvin Yeworth. It was released as a double feature back in the day, coupled with I Married a Monster from Outer Space. Great film. It stars Steve McQueen in his leading role debut as a teenager, even though he was 27 at the time, and Anita Corsat in her feature film debut. The film was written by Theodore Simonson and Mary Catherine Lineker. Theodore Simonson, or Simonson, sorry Mr. Simonson if I butcher your name, worked on The Blob, then he did some work with General Electric Theater. Probably The Blob is his biggest work. The other writer was Mary Catherine Lineker, who worked as Kay Lineker, Kate Phillips, and Kay Lineker Phillips after she got married. She was an actress, appeared in a lot of B-movies, eventually would go on to become a screenwriter, probably best known just like her co-writer for this film, The Blob. She was actually the one who suggested the name The Blob from the film, which was originally known as The Molten Meteor. The film was directed by Irvin Shortest, Shorty Eworth. Eworth was born in 1926 in Germany, passed away in Amman, Jordan in 2004, while building a theme park there. Pretty interesting. He began his career at KDKA in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at age 10, and he would go on to become a radio producer and then make 400 films, most of them educational or religious, of his Hollywood films, and I put that in air quotes, The Blob is his best-known work. Now, as I said, the film was originally titled The Molten Meteor. Now, there's a bunch of people who have different stories about where the name The Blob came from. The most famous is that Kay Lineker referred to the movie Monster as The Blob. The producers overheard that and thought, well, that's a much better title for the film. Other people say that it went through a whole bunch of title changes. Eventually, they were going to call it The Glob, not The Blob, but The Glob. But there was some confusion if they could use the glob because Walt Kelly, who was a famous cartoonist who did Pogo, had used the word the glob and they weren't sure if they could use that as the title of a film. What's even weirder is that during shooting of the film, they didn't refer to it as the blob or the glob or the molten meteor. They referred to the monster as the mass. I think in the end they made the right choice. I think the blob was the right way to go. The film cost probably about $110,000 to produce, although there have been differing reports on that. Producer Jack Harris claimed it cost about a quarter of a million, but Eworth, the director, came out later and would say that it was probably around one hundred and ten dollars or $120,000. The movie was filmed around Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, a hot spot of motion picture production, and primary photography took place at Valley Forge Studios. Several scenes were filmed in towns around the area, including Phoenixville, Chester Springs, Royersford, and Dowington. Now, what is the blob? Now, I'm not talking about the blob in the movie, but the prop that was the blob. It was actually a mixture of red dye and silicone, and this thing has never dried out and is still kept in its original five-gallon pail in which it was shipped to the production company from the company Union Carbide. According to the people who made the film, they would add more red dye to the blob as it consumed more people. Each victim turned it redder. In the early shots of the film, they didn't even use a blob. It was a modified weather balloon, but eventually would become the silicone mass that everybody is more familiar with. After these messages, we will return. Don't pout, check it out. Zach's going to show you what work's about. It's the blob, it's the blob. I am the future. 
panic, no need to get scared. You can make the future by being prepared. Ask what do I like to do? What jobs are suited to me? I like to skate. I like to go bowling. But my favorite hobby is cutting and sewing. You can get going, plan a business sewing. It's your job, it's your job, your future job. There are many jobs you can train for. Seamstress tailor, costume designer, alterations, pattern maker. I am the blob, the future blob. It's no blob when you plan for a job. Don't be afraid, make a career and get paid. Do your job, do your job, plan for a future job. And you won't fear the mean of future blob. And now, back to the show. Now I'm going to tell you a little bit about the plot of the movie. It takes place in 1957 in a small Pennsylvania town where two teenagers, Steve Andrews, played by the legendary Steve McQueen, and his girlfriend Jane Martin, played by Anita Corsat, are on Lover's Lane and they see a meteor crash. An old man finds this meteor and breaks it open, pokes it with a stick, you know, because that's what you should do whenever you find a meteor, and a small blob inside attaches to his hand and he's in massive pain and unable to get it off he runs away almost gets hit by steve's car and steve and jane take him to a doctor the doctor dr hallen is about to leave for a medical conference he anesthetizes the man and sends of course the two teens back to investigate the crash site of the meteor he's not sure what to do decides to amputate the arm before he could do that things start to get out of control the blob starts eating him and eventually will eat the doctor and while it's doing so it keeps getting bigger and bigger fun little fact during this scene the doctor tells the nurse to throw some trichloracetic acid on the blob trichloracetic acid is a very weak acid so he must have really thought that the blob was pretty weak blob showed him things start to spiral out of control of course nobody wants to believe Steve and Jane's story, but eventually the blob grows and grows and grows until everybody notices the blob because it's eating everything and causing a commotion throughout town. They eventually discover that the blob is sensitive to cold after firing a CO2 fire extinguisher at it. Eventually, everyone in town kicks in, grabs a fire extinguisher, and freezes the blob. Now that the blob is frozen, an Air Force cargo aircraft picks up the blob and takes it to the Arctic, where it will always remain frozen and we will always all be safe. Yay. The movie has a great cast, some really good young actors. Chief amongst them is Steve McQueen. Although in this film he is credited as Stephen McQueen, it would be the last time he uses Stephen. He plays Steve Andrews. Terrence Steve McQueen, born in 1930, passed away in 1980, kind of young. If you didn't know who he was, he's kind of this young actor, anti-hero guy that everybody really used to think was super cool. In fact, he had the title The King of Cool for movies he starred in like Bullet, The Getaway, Papillon, The Magnificent Seven, The Great Escape, of course The Towering Inferno. He became so popular that he could command larger and larger salaries, even though he was reputedly very difficult to work with. When I watched this movie with my mom, I used to ask her if she liked Steve McQueen. She was not a huge fan. She said he was a little bit too much of a bad boy for her. But she said my father had a huge man crush on him. Maybe this was before the term man crush. She said that my father was really into him when he was younger. And a lot of guys were. This was the first movie where Steve would play a lead role. 
And he almost didn't get this role. Supposedly, the director of the film thought he was a bit of a jerk, which sounds like he was, but he was cast anyway. And he was offered $2,500 for the film, or 10% of the profits. McQueen thought, there's no way this movie's going to make any money, and he took the $2,500. The film would end up grossing over $4 million, so... McQueen maybe should have went the other way on that. Anita Corsat played Jane Martin, born in 1933. She passed away in 1995. It's probably best known on the big screen for The Blob. On the little screen, she played Helen Crump on The Andy Griffith Show. Earl Rowe played Lieutenant Dave, who was born in Riverside, New Jersey in 1920. Passed away in Moorestown, New Jersey in 2002. Did some TV work, mostly small roles, also some soap opera work. On the big screen, the blob as Lieutenant Dave was his big break. The old man who gets eaten by the blob at the beginning, the first victim, was played by Olin Howland, was born in 1886, passed away in 1959. This was his final film. He often played eccentric roles, small ones, often uncredited, and was a favorite of David O. Selznick, appearing in movies like The Adventures of Tom Sawyer, Gone with the Wind, and many more. Stephen Chase played Dr. Hallen. He did a lot of TV works, lots of westerns, and he started doing work in the 1930s and would work up until 1970. The film had a sizable cast. Rounding it out, you had George Karras as Officer Ritchie, Lee Payton as Kate, John Benson as Sergeant Jim Burt, Keith Almany as Danny Martin, Elbert Smith as Mr. Martin, and Hugh Graham as Mr. Andrews. If you've seen The Blob, you've probably heard this before. Beware of the blob, it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor, right through the door, all around the wall, a splotch, a blotch, be careful of the blob. That is the silly, very addicting title song for the blob that was supposedly written by Burke Bacharach, famous music maker, and Mac David. And it became a kind of a big hit in the U.S., which probably helped to spur the success of The Blob, or at least keep it in people's minds. It was recorded by the studio group, The Five Blobs, who are credited in the film. There was actually only one blob, singer Bernie Knee, who did the five parts for the film, including the great which I just did, which is done by you know, putting your finger in your mouth and popping it. As a kid, I loved doing that whenever I watched the film. The background score for the movie was composed by Ralph Carmichael. It was one of the few ones that Carmichael wrote. He is best known for doing music for the likes of Billy Graham and working with Nat King Cole on The Magic of Christmas. The film was released on October 12, 1958. It had, as I said, a budget of 110000 and would go on to make $4 million. It also got pretty good reviews when it was released. People saw through the cheap veneer of a low budget film and saw something decent here. The film would get a couple of releases and would get shown on TV a lot. It was actually re-released in 1974 when Steve McQueen's Towering Inferno came out in other countries trying to kind of jump on the back of the Irwin Allen style disaster films that were getting popular. The Blob, of course, is available on home video in many different formats. If you're a fan, you can catch it just about anywhere. After you've seen it, you might want to go on and watch its sequel. Yep, The Blob had a sequel. The sequel is called Beware the Blob. 
was made in 1972 and was directed by Larry Hagman. When it was released on home video in the early 80s, it had the tagline, The Movie That J.R. Shot. It is a really fun movie and a perfect time capsule of the early 70s. It's got hippies being silly and strange cinematography decisions. It also has a lot of great guest stars in it. So if you've never seen it, it's worth checking out. There's also a lot of kabangers. I don't know if you remember kabangers or clackers, those toys where you knock the balls up and down, the clack, 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 that became very popular. Well, they were very popular in the early 70s as well, and they decided to put them in this movie a lot. So in the early parts of the film, it really does feel like a product tie-in. Kind of fun. Sometimes this movie is known as Son of Blob. So if you see hippies getting eaten by Blob, you've seen this. After these messages, we will return. Now, Hordak reveals the most gruesome trap ever. The Horde Slime Pit. The what? The Slime Pit. Now, Spike, or you're my slave. Not the slime. Yes, my slime will overpower you. I've been slime. No one escapes the evil Horde Slime Pit. Yes? The evil Horde Slime Pit. From the Masters of the Universe. You put it together. Action figures each sold separately from Mattel. This is a slime monster. The slime runs out of his mouth. This is the slime monster game, where you slime the other players with the monster. It's my turn. And sometimes, they slime you. The winner gets the monster. The loser has to clean up. The slime monster game comes complete with slime compound, new from Mattel. And now, back to the show. In 1988, a remake of The Blob was made by Chuck Russell. This science fiction horror film was a lot more disturbing than the original. And I know this because I went and saw it with my mother, who was absolutely floored by how much more detailed the Blob was in this one. It is a good film. It has Kevin Dillon in the lead role, kind of taking on the Steve McQueen rebel role. I want to make a joke about Kevin Dillon being not Steve McQueen-like, but in one of my few brushes with fame, I actually got to meet Kevin Dillon, and I had not met a nicer person. He was very nice, so I'm not going to make any Kevin Dillon jokes. To me, Kevin Dillon is just the same as Steve McQueen, maybe even better. That 1988 film had a budget of $8.2 million and would go on to make about $19 million in the box office. If you have a movie of this caliber, of course, they're going to try to remake it, and Rob Zombie was announced as the potential director of an upcoming Blob remake in 2015. Simon West, who has directed films like Con Air and The Expendables 2, was announced as the potential director. Now, some of the people have read into the Blob, the original film, as perhaps a story about the Cold War and about creeping red communism taking things over, and that seems to work. And they've even said that the 80s version is more about conspiracy theories and how the government is behind all sorts of secret stuff. And that might even work. To me, though, the blob is more about fun entertainment. 
And I think the 70s version shows that at its best, because it is nothing but silliness from beginning to end, with horror thrown in, but silly horror. So if you have someone in your life that has never seen The Blob, no matter which version you've seen, maybe you grew up with the 80s version, maybe you grew up with the 70s version, why not share it with them? See what they think of it. Your enthusiasm will most likely translate to a very positive experience, and then Years from now, as another generation comes up, they'll be sharing that film with somebody else, and they won't be thinking of the first time they saw it in the theater or some date they were on. They will be thinking about the first time they saw that with you and how you shared it with them. So make a connection, pass some nostalgia on to somebody else, and enjoy a great film this weekend. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com retroist.com and twitter.com retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. This has been a retrospective production. Goodbye.